Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Make and Decorate with Stephanie podcast. I'm Stephanie, your host, and this is season four, episode 79. We are super close to the Christmas holiday. It's just in a couple days. I hope everyone is doing well and enjoying the holidays with your loved ones as best that you can. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you do know that I look forward to winter solstice every year uh, because I do not like the early darkness and I used to get very depressed and not even realizing that on December 22nd, we start gaining a little bit more daylight every day after that until the summer solstice. So now that I'm fully aware of (laughs) how that works, I it just lifts my spirits up and I have this um, positive hope that the days are getting longer and we are going to have more daylight uh, very soon. This year we've had a very lovely autumn season and with winter solstice, officially winter begins. And we've been having a mild December so far. It's sort of nice, but it's sort of weird because we've had a few days, like a week where temperatures were up in the 60s for several days and it almost felt like spring. And it's just so strange because you see all the holiday lights outdoors and uh, you're preparing for Christmas if you celebrate it. However, I am not fooled. I'm not fooled one bit by this weather because January and February are usually when the Canadian polar vortex just swoops down and stays a while and it gets super freezing cold. We may have a blizzard or two or three, (laughs) who knows how many. So it's coming. It is coming. And so I am enjoying the weather, the mild weather that we are having now, the air is crisp and cool. It's just so beautiful. We have just today, I took my dog to the dog park this morning. It was such a peaceful morning and the sky was crystal clear blue, that just perfect blue color. And from deep to to the light color, The sun is at that different angle that it's at in winter, and it, I don't know, to me it looks bigger, but I I do know that it's farther away from Earth. It's just a strange thing, but that I don't totally understand. However, it's beautiful. So we had a really beautiful morning outdoors in the crisp, cool air and the sunshine. By the way, that gnawing sound that you hear in the background is Cooper, my dog, chewing his brand new bone. So I apologize for that. But that's what that noise is. All right. So I want to talk about the Pantone Color of the Year 2022. And the Pantone Color of the Year is very peri. If you want to know what the number is, 
It is 17-3938. Every year, Pantone sort of sets the tone for fashion, interior design, all of the markets with their color of the year. And that's why you always see lots of saturation of a certain color during that entire year. And then it will migrate into other versions of that color, lighter, darker, deeper, as the years continue while that color is still kind of trendy. So this year, it's pretty different than it has been. Very peri. It's a periwinkle color. It's a bluey purple. I want to read to you what the executive director of the Pantone Color Institute said about this color of the year. Her name is Leatrice Eisman. She says, As we move into a world of unprecedented change, the selection of Pantone 17-3938, Very Perry, brings a novel perspective and vision of the trusted and beloved blue color family, encompassing the qualities of the blues yet at the same time with its violet-red undertone. Very Perry displays a sprightly, joyous attitude and dynamic presence that encourages courageous creativity and imaginative expressions. I love finding out what the Pantone colors of the upcoming year are. I get excited about it because I love color so much and I find it interesting how the people at Pantone work to ahead of time. They're working well ahead of time to determine what colors are going to be on trend. And this is what affects a lot of different aspects of our daily lives, whether it's fashion, interior design, accessories, uh, just uh, kitchen <laughs> tableware, all of that. This very peri color, I love it because, of course, I love blue and I love purple. It is the perfect combination. I liked how she said that it encourages courageous creativity and imaginative expressions. So I think that is very inspiring for the upcoming year. And I'm looking forward to seeing this very peri all over. I don't know how long they've been doing this. I feel like it hasn't been that long, maybe 10 years, but other companies have jumped on the Pantone bandwagon and they come up with their own color of the year. So paint companies like Benjamin Moore, Sherwin-Williams, they publish what their paint color of the year is. And also our fabric companies are doing that now. So let's talk about Kona. They released their 2022 color of the year and it is called Cosmos. It is related somewhat to the very peri color, the periwinkle. It has a red purple color, but it's very brightly saturated, which bright colors are very attractive to the quilting and sewing communities. So it is a very happy, uh, I would say a magenta color. So really nice. A lot of quilt shops are already uh, promoting it and taking orders. So if you like that color, 
It will be out there this year, Cosmos by Kona. <laughs> I'm sure other fabric companies are um, have developed their own color of the year, but this is the one that I have been seeing everywhere. They're promoting like they're just promoting it big time. All right, so enough with the colors of the year. Um, I this was not planned, but I got a beautiful Fraser fur real Christmas tree. It's a little five foot tree. It is so pretty. I haven't had a real tree in at least 10 years. I, I love real trees. I grew up every year. We had a real Christmas tree. We didn't always every year do this, but a lot of, we did it a lot going out to the Christmas tree farm. <laughs> it's, it was always a debacle. And bringing, bringing the saw that was either dull or the wrong type of saw and trying, you know, my dad and my brothers trying to cut this tree down. And of course, we always try to pick the biggest tree we could find. And that was the other thing too. My brothers and my dad, oh man, they, I, I don't think they have as fond memories of this as I do, but uh, because me and my mom, uh, and later on with my sisters would have to pick, of course, the perfect tree. We have to see enough trees. You don't just pick one out the first one you see, right? But what's funny is if you circle back and you end up going to that first one that you pick, sometimes we did that, but not all the time. When we would finally uh, pick the perfect tree, then they would cut it down and we would bring it home. Uh, we would make hot chocolate and bring it with us. A lot of times, too, I think it snowed a lot more back when I was growing up than it does now. So I remember bringing hot chocolate and trudging through snow to get the Christmas tree. It is just a tradition that uh, is near and dear to my heart. And I've been using an artificial tree for the past decade. And it's fine, too. It's You don't have to worry about watering it all the time. Uh, fire hazards, and the needles falling off the branches. But there just isn't anything like a real tree. The scent that it brings into the home, the soft, real pine needles of a Fraser fir are just beautiful. And the shape, the, sh the natural shape of the branches, and it is not a perfect tree, meaning that there are the branches are not symmetrical and it's not a symmetrical fullness. And so I, I enjoy that. I really have had fun with that this year. And it's so bizarre that it was we didn't even plan to do that, but it was the 50% off sign my husband saw that started this whole thing. I have a couple of sewing projects to chat about. One of them is a table topper that I made and gifted to the uh, my freelance boss. She loves table toppers. I made it with two different Liberty Tanalon Christmas fabrics, the red pattern and the blue pattern. It's reversible. And I made, um, I sewed a really pretty gold metallic lace around the edge. It looks really nice. I took some photos and posted 
on in my Instagram, stephanie.socha.design. I'll also post photos on the podcast blog page. I'm also working on sewing drapery panels together to make a large panel and two large panels for my living room window. They are secondhand custom drapery panels that are absolutely gorgeous. And I'm very fortunate that I was in the right spot at the right time. (laughs) I will post more about those going forward. It's not completed yet, so I'm just in mid-process of it. All right. Regarding my request for feedback on the chit chat segment and podcast format, I want to thank all of you that sent me feedback I asked for. I really wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't know what, you know, if I would get any feedback, but I received many messages and all but one message had expressed the same preference. And that is, you like the podcast as it is, and you enjoy the chit-chat segment. Some of you mentioned that the chit-chat segment is entertaining, and you like the long format of the podcast. One message did not so much give a preference, but shared a critique with advice that I agreed with. So all in all, it was very positive and it was very helpful for me just to kind of take a metric of input from the listeners. Thank you again for those of you who took the time to send me feedback. It's not too late. You can send me feedback anytime you would like through DMs on Instagram, emails, uh, wherever. I'll end this chit-chat segment with letting you guys know that this episode is the mid-series finale. I'm going to take a couple of weeks, like I usually do, off for the holidays. And then in January, I'll be recording new episodes with guests for the second half of the season that will start in February. I might be back in January here or there with either a new episode or reposting a favorite episode. So keep your subscriptions on uh, just in case. Otherwise, definitely look forward to the show coming in February. All right, on to the main segment, which is my lovely conversation with YouTuber Emma Jones. For time reference, we recorded this episode in mid-September. My guest today is Emma Jones, and she has a YouTube channel called The Vintage Sewing Box, and uh, she does all types of stitching and sewing and has an online shop. So welcome, Emma, and thank you so much for coming on to my show. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for inviting me to come and chat to you today. Yes, I'm so... to be here. Oh, good, good. I'm so excited. And um, I found your channel, I don't know... uh, not that long ago, probably like um, maybe last fall. So almost a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, I loved it from the start. I just was like, wow. And that's what I love about YouTube is that they'll put recommendations based on your, you know, what you have watched before. So I was really happy to see that. And um, and the other thing why I loved your channel, too, is that you use Liberty Fabrics a lot. And <laughs> I love Liberty Fabrics. <laughs> yeah, they're so nice, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They're really, really nice. Yeah, I just wanted to have you on and talk about it. Um, 
And uh, I would say you can tell me if I'm wrong, but the the bulk of your show and what you like to do is slow stitching. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's that's right. And it's um, quite different from how I used to be. Um, I used to always be in a rush. And I do think that has a lot to do with having a lack of time in the past. It was when I became a stay at home mum and I had long nap times to fill that I decided I would use that time for sewing and crafts because when I was a teacher, I never had much spare time. So once I started doing that and um, I discovered English paper piecing and I've always loved embroidery and just sort of combining the two things together, it just, it was a whole different mindset for me. And I just now really enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. That's more important than the final piece um, in a way because it just really is part of my everyday life now just slowing down and enjoying each tiny stitch <laughs> and yeah. the, it's all about the journey really mm. that's what the that's my mindset now is focusing on the journey and just enjoying that creative practice and not rushing to the end mm-hmm. um and that's, that's yeah that's just how I enjoy um craft these days just taking my time yeah so you and that is one of the cool things that I noticed too is how you you um you combine hand embroidery with the English paper piecing and it's so beautiful and um so that's inspired me to do that uh and I do look like hand embroidery as well so have you done hand embroidery for a while before you started English paper piecing Yes, that was the first um, type of needlework that I ever did. I started when I was about five or six. Oh, um, wow. I got some got some kits. I remember getting some sewing kits um, for my birthday. And then a while after that, my mum gave me an embroidery kit and she taught me how to do the stitches. And yeah, I've always done embroidery here and there. And it's only in recent years that I've started English paper piecing and then combining the two which is what I tend to do a lot of mm-hmm. these days yeah yeah mm-hmm. but your designs your embroidery designs are just beautiful and um I, ha- I had a feeling you had been hand embroidering for a while just because I can tell from just how you um you know put pull together I mean I would call them vignettes but you know it's kind of like how you pull mm-hmm. your designs together the flowers and the vines and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that and it, it's just so beautiful um and oh, thank you yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh you tend to use a lot of liberty fabrics which I love so much mm-hmm. I'm just as much of a liberty fan I think as you <laughs> 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 except you're closer to it than I am <laughs> oh I know, in the UK. I know yeah <laughs> there's just something so special about them isn't there and I've been an admirer of liberty fabrics for years but I've only recently started being able to buy them because they are on that slightly pricier end of of um, fabrics. Yes. And in the past, I just couldn't buy them. But over recent years, bit by bit, started with small pieces. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing about them because the quite often the scale of the print is such a small scale that you can use tiny pieces. Mm-hmm. So it really lends itself to tiny patchwork. But then there's so many other lovely things about it, isn't it? Like how it feels and, um, you know, it's drape and it's just 
yeah, it's really special fabric, isn't it? It's lovely. It really is. And um, it's very nice to stitch through, um, stitching mm. by hand too, because it's just, yeah. it's so silky and um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not, uh, it, there's a, there is a difference between that and the quilting cotton quality, mm. uh, which is why mm. it's so much more. And I know I'm like, I, I didn't discover mm-hmm. Liberty though until about, I don't know, it's been seven years or something like it's, it hasn't been that long. Um, mm. But once I, you know, saw it and got hooked on it, um, I just couldn't believe like it's just and, and, no, and finding out the history of Liberty, the store and how they archive their um, patterns throughout the decades. Yeah. It has a really yeah. interesting story. Uh, it, it does. It really it's It's fascinating. Um, yeah, each print, it's just got. It's got story behind it, and mm-hmm. yeah, they're just wonderful, aren't they? I, mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah, me too. I could collect them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and then um, this past weekend, uh, Liberty had this sale going, and we we had our um, in the United States the um, Labor Day holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I don't know if Liberty just did the sale just because of that, you know, maybe kind of like uh, timing it with whatever you know because they know we have a holiday and we like that was the whole thing this weekend like every all the retailers were doing like their uh, labor yeah. day weekend sales but then i i went on the liberty website and i saw um they have these like um there's this one pattern and i really really want to get it um because i think it's exclusive to them and their location mm-hmm. and they do that because um there's a shop here um up in michigan called duckadilly and they will have exclu- mm-hmm. exclusive colorways of prints for their shop yes. so i think mm-hmm. that is really unique and and very nice um cuz it does make them even more special Yes, and that's something I've only learned about in recent years. I don't know how long that's been going on for, but you can get exclusive prints, like you say, from that shop and other shops and Japan as well. They oh. produce um, lots of really lovely exclusive prints that you can only get from Japan, from mm-hmm. Etsy sellers and things like that. Oh, wow. And that makes it even more collectible. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> because, you, because you want to get those <laughs> exclusive ones. Yeah. As if we need help collecting even more of no, those. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun, though. It's really, really fun. Mm, um, so let's talk about um, just your YouTube channel and um, when you started it and um, mm-hmm. just talk about your YouTube channel. Yeah, so um, I started the YouTube channel last year, so April 2020, and um, leading up to that point for a just over a year before I've been sharing my work on Instagram and connecting with people there. And quite often people would say to me, you should start a YouTube channel because I like sharing little videos on Instagram as well. That's something I've always done. But I never thought that I was really a YouTube type person. I'm quite camera shy, although I'm trying to be braver about that. But I just didn't think that I would fit. I didn't think I was right for YouTube. And then Eventually, I thought, well, maybe it's a good place to just put some tutorials. So I don't have to show myself. (laughs) I can just show my hands and just put a few tutorials there. And then if somebody asks, how do you do this or how would you make that? I can just point them in that direction. 
So I, I just thought YouTube will just be a place that will just have some videos there just as a resource, really. So when um, pandemic hit and my husband was spending more time at home, it freed me up a little bit because he was looking after our son freed me up to just spend some time making some tutorials because you need daylight hours really you need you need the light to make a, a good video so um so I started doing that and it just turned into something I just never expected because it became a community the response that I got from my videos from people was it it still completely blows me away I can't believe people watch them and what they say and so it just it just grew from there and I um, decided to just share a little bit more than just a tutorial of how to do this and you talk about my sort of philosophy um behind slow stitching and um you know that that sort of calm approach that I sort of try to um take to my life and yeah it's just it's just grown from that and I really, really love it, um, and I'm excited to to share more in the in the coming months. I've had a break um, over the summer, but yeah, I've got lots of ideas for more videos, and um, yeah, it's it's really nice. It's definitely the best thing I've done. <laughs> oh, that's good. Good to hear. And mm. um, so, yeah, then I did. I found your channel not too long after you started it, then, because I I'm pretty sure yeah. I started watching it in the fall, um, and mm. I thought you had been. Um, YouTubing for longer than that. That's crazy. No, but you know no. what, though, the more because I watch all of your videos. So the more that you get familiar with someone on YouTube, mm. it feel like I yeah. have I feel like I have this personal connection with them, even though <laughs> you have no idea who I am, or where I'm from. But it's just because I you know, I, I see all the time. And it's it's very interesting, because it does YouTube has a tendency, I think, to do that with creating um, a, a community of people mm -hmm. who enjoy uh, the videos you're putting out and they have a place to comment and do that, um, which I find in podcasting is a little harder because there's no place for mm -hmm. them to comment on the episode. Uh, yeah, that's so, a shame. That is a, that is a real shame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm trying some other things to like, see if, you know, I can bring the podcast because audience over, but I also have found, cause I have a YouTube channel too, but it's just like, um, you know, a video here and there going up there, <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm working on it, but um, I feel like the audience on YouTube is a little bit different than like an audio podcast one. Cause mm -hmm. I think podcast mm -hmm. people um, are like maybe a little bit more on the go or something. They listen to it in their car or mm -hmm. something. And like YouTube people actually, you know, take the, they have to watch it. They can't be doing, they can't drive while no. they're watching the video. No. <laughs> well, they shouldn't, they shouldn't. I know, right? <laughs> so yeah, it, you do, you do get such a great response. I mm -hmm. just didn't anticipate that at all. Um, and people really take that time to write um, heartfelt comments um, because they've taken that time out of their day to to watch your video mm -hmm. um, and yeah there's just such a great connection there and it's really really nice 
Well, definitely recommended. Yeah. And um, you had mentioned that, you know, you were a little camera shy and Mm -hmm. really just show your hands working the project. But um, that's also kind of a specific style that some YouTubers have. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, um, it's nice. It's I think it's um, because of the content that you have to show us really requires like kind of like that overhead uh, shot of your mm-hmm. hands like doing that hand stitching and a little bit and you have really good the other thing is too is that the distance it, it's just like it's like having a front row seat versus I'm sitting way back a thousand rows back and I really can barely see what you're stitching you know what I mean like you have it focused yes. and you have it like just the right zoom in and everything so I appreciate that and I'm pretty sure all of your subscribers like it too Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's a really good way to describe it, actually. And it's funny because years ago when I was teaching in school, um, I did some cross-stitch with my class. But of course, when you've got a class of 25, 30 children and you're trying to show them how to mm-hmm. cross-stitch, they can't see. I know. <laughs> so actually, back then, I actually got my teaching assistant to film me and we put it on the big interactive board oh. and just had it on a loop. So they could just all sit there and watch it over and over and learn how to stitch. So that was like the beginnings really oh it's brilliant <laughs> yeah because um that is a thing like when you have a class even like when mm-hmm. I've been in some sewing or quilting classes it's like you have to gather around the instructor and then mm-hmm. you know not maybe like two or three people can really see what's going on and everybody else is just mm-hmm. like so there is a very um i think it's advantageous to have a video um and that super close-up view of exactly how you're stitching it's just really clear and um, i love that you've done like these really cute um little projects and um the scissors case like almost like tools and notions projects where you could store your sewing supplies, your scissors. Um, I think you have one of a needle case too, right? Yes. A little hexagon needle book. Yeah. And they're all made from English paper piecing, which was really, really neat. And you, um, I did go back and watch some of your beginning videos and you do a really good job of, of showing how to just the basics on how to do a English paper piecing with hexagons. Um, so oh, talk a little bit about that and then your projects that you make that use it because I feel like that's the other thing that's probably what people love is that your channel has progressed and almost like in chronological order where you started with the basics and Mm. have taught people if they didn't know how to do an English paper piece and then you moved into like these simpler projects and now you're into bigger projects and even sewing machine stuff projects too so talk about all of all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, I just, when I started, like you said, I just thought I'd show some basics, but one, one of the things that I think can put people off English paper piecing is it can seem really daunting because you think, you know, you have to make a big quilt out of thousands of tiny pieces and it's going to take, you know, years and years to make. And those projects are wonderful and you know, lots of us do have quite a few of those on the go, but I quite like making small things too. And 
you know, even though I enjoy that slow process, it is nice to have something finished. And I do love making little sewing cases and things like that to store notions in. And it just makes that time when you get out your sewing and you get out your basket and your needle book and have them on the table. It just makes it extra special, doesn't it? If you've taken time to make them yourself. And so that's where that that came from, really. And that then the needle book, the hexagon needle book's been such a popular thing. I, I mean, it's so exciting to see other people make it and share it. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. And um, <laughs> it's been downloaded thousands of times oh, wow. from my site. It's just, nice. it's crazy. Um, but I think the appeal of it is that it's just a nice small little thing that you can complete in a few hours and that it is completely hand-stitched. And it's mm -hmm. great for beginners because it isn't too complicated. It it just, you know, you can just follow the steps and it's just a nice little thing to make. So, yeah. Um, That's a good point because um, you don't have to make 7,000 <laughs> hexagons <laughs> for a quilt. You know, you can make 30 mm -hmm. or whatever you need for the small mm -hmm. project. And, and mm -hmm. I, it, people, you know, we do love some fast makes and to have a fast make project that you also have done by hand is pretty, mm. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. I really, I, I think that that's a, a really nice combination to have because you get the benefit of the slow stitch. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we can talk about that because slow stitching is very different from machine sewing and, mm. um, and machine, machine sewing. I mean, I do a lot of machine sewing and quilting. Um, and, and it also has a sense of, you know, cathartic, mm. you know, a way about it. And, you know, you feel like you're being creative and stuff, but mm. when I sit to hand stitch, it's just a different feeling and it's more quiet and I guess still versus frenetic. Cause you could be really frenetic on a sewing machine <laughs> <laughs> trying to zoom stuff through. <laughs> so I would, I mean, I, I think that's probably how you would look at it as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think all different types of sewing definitely have their place. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I definitely enjoy making a quick project on the machine from time to time. Recently made a, a quick Christmas cushion for my son. I think if I was always going to make everything by hand, I'd, I, I wouldn't complete everything that I would want to complete. So you do have to have a bit of a balance and you, you get different things from it, don't you? So you get that great feeling of, oh, I finished something um, from machine sewing. Although plenty of machine piece projects take a long time <laughs> don't oh, yes. they? big quills yes. they do take a long they time do. as well so, <laughs> but but yeah you just it's a different feeling with hand sewing and um yeah there's a real sense of calm in it and and that's part of the reason why I like the small things I like the small hexagons and you can just have them with you you know it doesn't take up much space and then you can just sneak a few stitches in here and there um when you can and it, there's just something so nice about that mm -hmm. <laughs> I, that reminds me of something recently um so uh I went to a baseball game with my husband and uh uh, we had, they were from his company, so we had really, really good seats and stuff. But 
at this ballpark, you're limited. You have to have like a nine by five um, purse and nothing bigger. Mm. So, um, and baseball is a very slow, (laughs) can be a slow (laughs) game. And Mm. you're just like sitting, I mean, there could be, and this game went long. There was like hour long inning. Mm. It was just crazy. So I know how it is. So I like to bring something to work Mm. on. So I was able to tuck in my hexagons and um, (laughs) I have, I think you have them too. I saw them in one of your videos, but I have those Japanese mini snips scissors. Yes. Yes. They're brilliant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that and a little tiny Mm. roll of thread. I mean, that's all I needed. And, uh, and I had our, uh, no, I brought the glue stick too, because I had the, (laughs) the, the fabric cut out and then I had those hexi forms. We're going to talk about that next, but Mm -hmm. all in a little tiny purse. And then I was able to pull it out (laughs) do the stitching (laughs) when, when it got to that point where it was just like dragging, um, (laughs) with the ball game. (laughs) So you're right. It's perfect. Perfect for that. You might be like me in that you can't, I really struggle to just sit and passively do do not well it's not doing nothing but to watch things yes. that I, I do struggle with that I like to be doing something I do so, too yeah it helps yeah helps I'm the that. same there mm. uh, there's like now there's not a second that if I watch tv with my husband um, or even by myself that I am doing some project with my hands, whether mm-hmm. it's English paper piecing. I just started knitting a year or so ago, crochet. Oh, so all yeah. of those like really nice hand projects. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I've gotten so used to doing it now that I just, I do get a little like, I can't sit still if I'm not doing something productive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally me as well. Productive in the craft <laughs> sense. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So let's talk about this Hexiform because I learned about this from you. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I saw it, I immediately had to search Ashmead up and ordered from them um, this Hexiform. And I've talked about it on my podcast before, like totally telling my listeners this Hexiform is so amazing. And um I have a little tiny flower here that I did um, with Hexiform. These are, this is the smallest piecing I've done yet. And I know you've done even tinier, but um, this is a three quarter inch hexagon flower. Oh, um, but it, it, it is this Hexiform. You go ahead and describe it um, and, and let, you know, just tell us about it and how, why you love it and the things mm. that you do with it. Yeah, it, it's an alternative to paper in English paper piecing. And it's made of fabric. And I sort of describe it like a bit of a fabric stabilizer. So it holds its shape and it comes in a r- range of shapes and sizes, pretty much ev- every shape you can imagine. Or you can buy it in a sheet and cut your own shapes. And um, it has a fuzzy side, which you place down on the fabric. And then on the back, it's, it's flat. And it just makes English paper piecing even easier. And it has so many benefits. So you don't need to remove it afterwards. It's designed to stay in, which gives your work um, a different dimension. It gives it some texture, some plumpness. Um, Because it's not paper, it's soft and it's malleable. You can uh, manipulate it more easily than you can paper. And I find it to be much 
easier on my hands. If I've been stitching an EPP project with papers, I do get some fatigue in my hands eventually. And so I do have some joint pains as well. But with Hexiform, because it is fabric, I, I don't get that tiredness at all, don't get pains and aches. And I can do more, which is which is great. And also another reason why I really love it is that you can just embellish it and stitch straight into it. So that's where the embroidery came from and sort of combining the two. When I realized that I could just, you know, stitch straight into my EPP and I'm really interested in that um, repetition of the same motif and to mirror the patchwork shapes. Yeah, that combination. I just love it. I think it's really great stuff, but it's not that it hasn't been that well known. Um, so it's been really exciting to see a lot of people trying it out and really loving it. The feedback is is really great because it is a great product, but it is essentially a handmade product by Ashmead Designs. It's it's their product and they do make it them, them you know they buy it and cut it all themselves, and um, which is just wonderful. They're a lovely family company um, down south in the in the UK, and yeah, it's it's lovely and it's lovely to support them um, as an independent business yeah yeah absolutely and um so when i learned about it we were still kind of before the vaccine vaccine part of the pandemic mm -hmm. and you know lockdowns were everywhere uh and so i ordered from them and i i kind of you know figured it's coming from overseas and i'll you know i'm gonna you know i probably won't get it for a while and i got it so quickly i, I couldn't even believe it <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. And then when I got it, I could, I, then I could totally like, you could see it on your videos. Um, but I couldn't wait to like have it in my hands and <laughs> feel it and try it. Um, and it really is, it's like a stabilizer and that fuzzy side really grips the fabric. And like you said, mm -hmm. because that's part of the issue is your hands really like, you don't even realize the, I don't know, the, the muscles and tendons or whatever you use mm. to grip. Can, yes. It, I've felt pain from gripping <laughs> for so long. <laughs> and, mm. um, and it really does make it easier. It's, it's really nice to, to stitch with. Um, and, and like you said, it provides a, a stabilized um, piece that you can hand embroider through brilliantly it looks so pretty and um and then with like you said their sheets you have made structured pieces um like little boxes right notions yes. box. because yeah. it has that body and go ahead Talk yeah I, I do I do tend to use the uh, foam which is a slightly different product for oh, the boxes okay. and things now I have tried them with the hexiform and I've used that on the inside actually to sort of give the lining a nice structure. It 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 really somehow it's it really flattens out the fabric and just gives it a great shape. Uh, whatever you make from it, really, it's it is a really great product. But yeah, I do tend to use the foam, you know, the um, that you would use yeah. in bag making that yes. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the soft and stable or, or the yeah. Pelon, they make good foam, mm. but, but yeah. it still would make a good, like, you know, if you wanted something with a slimmer profile, but still have some structure mm. like a needle yes. book 
um, yes, would yes. work really nice with that. So, mm. um, and I'll put the link, um, Hexiform. Um, you're selling it now, aren't you, in your shop? Yes, I am. I don't know when this will go to air, but it does tend to sell out quite quickly and trying to keep stocks up on my shop's quite um, a challenge at the moment, just, you know, on my own. But um, if it's not on my website, then definitely Ashmi Designs, they they have it. And um, do you know Brimfield Awakening in the yes. US? They sell it too now. So it's okay. in the US. Oh, good, good. Very good. That's Hexiform. And then mm. there's a few other things that you uh, sew with and recommend that I think are really good. People can stitch with whatever they want. I mean, you can, mm. I mean, I've stitched with 50 weight threads all the way up to a hundred weight silk thread. Um, and so you, you tend to stitch with, you kind of figured it out what you're comfortable with. So tell us like what thread needle um, and that sort of thing when you do your hand stitching for EPP. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you that you can definitely use whatever you want and use whatever you've got. And mm -hmm. that's the beauty of, of EPP. Just pick up a needle and thread and get going. But um over time, I have found a combination that really suits me. So I really like to use um, Invisifil thread, which is by Wonderfill. And that is uh, 100 weight. So it's very fine, but it is a polyester thread. And it's strong. And like the name suggests, Invisifil, it does tend to almost disappear completely um, into the fabric. So it the way it reflects the light, you can hardly see the stitches. And I find that to be really great for tiny piecing, especially if you're doing quarter inch hexagons, um, <laughs> because your, your stitches can look, well, definitely mine anyway, look can look really big <laughs> when you're doing tiny pieces. So that's what sort of led me to trying that thread. And that that's the thread I really love. But I also quite like the the wonderful Athena thread, which is actually designed for applique, and it's a cotton thread, and that is sixty weight. So again, the experience of stitching with cotton is completely different to polyester. Mm -hmm. It just has a different feel to it. Um, so, and I do enjoy that as well. So I tend to use that um, on the on bigger projects. Um, just as an alternative. And that's a great thread. It's quite strong. I, I don't really have any issues with it breaking. Um, and it does come in a, quite a decent range of colours. And yeah, I, I really enjoy that. And in terms of needles, I actually quite like the slightly bigger needles and because I like a longer needle. And I've found that um, sort of like a, a milliner's size nine just seems to be just right for me some people may find that to be a bit big but because it's a longer needle it's just more comfortable in my hands and my hands just get less tired using that so but then okay. other people might prefer shorter ones so it's like the 11 testing right? out yeah, yeah so it's just worth test testing out and seeing uh -huh. what feels right for you and and yeah we're all different aren't we so definitely so yeah. that's good but at least it's a good you know kind of um if not, someone hasn't done it before they can start with that um yes and and you're right about the threads of 
um, feeling different and sewing differently, polyester mm. versus cotton. And um, I have just recently been, um, I, I have, and I love Aurafil thread. I really, really do. Mm. And I was stitching with their 80 weight cotton thread. And um, it, I would not use this for something that really needed like s structure, like, um, I don't know, let's say, like for something that's appliqued, that's fine, but something that's really mm. going to get used because <laughs> that thread has just broken in my hand. <laughs> and, yeah. and because it was going through, every time it passes through mm. the fabric and the um, hexiform, I, you could visibly see it's kind mm. of like getting, you know, it's, its own structure was trying to, like, what do yeah. you call it? Um, like fraying almost fraying yes yes yeah yes. Oh, yeah so yeah. i was just like oh i this is not good <laughs> I, I love orifel i do but it's just that that 80 is such a thin thin mm. size that i'm sure it's just hard for it to really like be stabilized enough like a polyester thread would be or even silk silk is pretty strong i've I actually tried liked silk oh mm. try it I I love stitching with it. I really, really mm -hmm. do. And you don't, I mean, you, you can get just a small spool and it lasts a long time because it's a hundred weight, I think. Mm. The silk yeah, thread that I've used. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and I, I really, really love to use that. But it, I only have, you know, the only reason why I have those two is because there was a store with a closeout. So I bought, <laughs> I bought a little handful of silk threads, oh, not good. knowing what I was going to use them for, but I'm like, silk thread, I'm getting these. And now I use them for, <laughs> for paper piecing oh, and, and hand stitch oh. projects too. Like just mm. regular, I was making these little, these little stuffed things for my, um, my niece. Um, and I used it for that. And it's just so, so nice to stitch with. And it's pretty strong. I'm going to yeah. try that. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then here's another um, thing that kind of cued me into that you're very um, well, you know, have been stitching for a long time is that you don't use a thimble. <laughs> I don't see you ever using a thimble and you're pushing the needle through and I'm like, oh, my goodness, because <laughs> I always I have a, a thimble on my. But you know what, though, in the hexiform, I haven't used a thimble sometimes no. and it's been fine. But mm. with the paper, you definitely would, I would have to have a thimble, but. I don't really tend to need one for actual doing a, a whip stitch. And, and it might have something to do with the way I hold it. I do sometimes get comments from people saying that I hold the needle strangely or that the direction that I sew in is unusual. But mm. I just do what feels right to me. Um, you know, some people might stitch towards themselves, but to me, stitching away and also that has something to do with showing it on camera as well. Oh, it just right. makes it clearer. I think maybe that's why I stitched in that direction. But um, I don't feel like I ever need one for, for doing a whip stitch. But if I am doing um, if I'm doing some applique or sewing the binding down on a quilt, then I will need a, a thimble for that. Okay. Definitely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I haven't, it's taken me until now to find one that actually fits mm -hmm. um, because my fingers are quite small and it's been, it's been a journey to find the right thimble, but I've got one now. So, oh, good, good. So I'm happy. It, that is the struggle: is finding the right thimble. There, the, mm. 
I, I like, you know, I, the leather ones, but then they stretch and they get way too big. Yes. And yeah. um, the metal ones just fall off. <laughs> Mm, yeah. So, um, but I, I like those, um, the silicone with the metal tops. I think it's by Clover and they make yes. a small size and yeah. a medium, and they make different sizes, which is nice. Cause most of the time thimbles are just like one size all fits mm. all and it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And then there's a few techniques that you've shown and I think it's really good to just, um, talk about uh i i like the way you do your beginning and ending knots um when you're stitching and um the other thing i learned too which was how you float i call it float because i just learned mm. that term with knitting <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where they fl- yeah where they float the yarns but you mm. you sort of float this thread across the pieces for continuous stitching without having to knot off, cut it, and then start again on the next side. And Mm. I thought that was brilliant. So now anytime I can do that where there's a continuous, you know, line Mm. um, for it, I I try to do it that way. And it saves time. And um, also, you know, you're not having to break the the you know the thread line I guess um yes I think it makes it strong stronger if you've got less um breakages yeah less knots to worry about definitely Mm -hmm. it must must add some extra stability mustn't it yeah so it makes me pay attention because um I don't know like maybe before I always just only stitched the certain side first I strange but now I look and see like where can I continue and it might be the opposite side for the next side of the shape um Mm -hmm. so it causes me to really like pay attention and kind of look for those those continued um lines of stitching that I can do um and then talk about your beginning and ending knots because I think they're a little different um than just like the normal at least for me they were (laughs) I don't know, actually. I, I just feel like I do kind of a basic, just little knot, maybe um, two stitches, um, something like that. I'll just start off with a, with a knot as well, just a, one at the end of the thread. Nothing. Maybe fancy. it was you reinforced the first stitch and the last stitch. With yeah, oh, extra... yes. At, at, yes, at each sort of um, corner before going along an, a new yes. scene. Yes, I do. I, I do. Um, make a loop and go through there and that really does help because you know the odd times when I've had to unpick something because I've made a mistake it is harder to unpick because of those little reinforced stitches at the corner so that's that's -hmm. definitely worth doing and and on talking about floating the thread that's another Mm -hmm. great thing about hexiform because hexiform hides the seam allowances so it if you're using a fine fabric like Liberty, which can, some of them, you can sort of see through a little bit. Mm-hmm. You, you don't see your seam allowances and you won't see your threads either with hexiform. Is it, you oh, know. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So it's really great, really great for that. Yeah. It's opaque. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's something else I, I, I noticed. I think maybe this might've been. I don't remember where I saw it first, if it was your website or on a video, but you you actually had a one of your um, pieces on exhibition, um, Grandmother's Garden piece. I thought yeah. that was really, yeah. really interesting. And congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's, 
it's such um it's such a personal piece that one um that was really when I was starting to sort of find my style and experiment with this idea of using the tiny hexagons and the hexiform and embellishing it with um with some embroidery and when I made that piece I, I made it in memory of my gran who'd passed away a couple of months before and um her garden was that style it was that traditional grandmother's flower garden because she had these stone paths around the flower beds and had lots of roses and so I, I made that with um you know thinking of her and I added the embroidery along the paths just sort of to symbolize myself as a child going around her garden that's just a really happy memory for me and then I was showing my dad and he was like, that's, that's artistic. That's, that's art. And I was like, oh, I don't know, dad. <laughs> I don't know if, it, if it's <laughs> art. But, um, it was really nice that he said that to me, actually. And, um, it, you know, it meant a lot coming from him. And then there was this um, open art exhibition, this open art competition in a, at a local art gallery. And I've never, ever put myself forward for anything like that ever before but I was getting some really lovely encouragement from my family and so I just thought okay I'll, I'll take it along so first of all it's, it's quite a funny story actually I, I, I didn't know how to present it I've never put a quilt into a show or anything like that so I just took it along and I've just put um hung it from a piece of dowling so it was, it was just a small it's made from quarter inch no very half inch hexagons it's just a small piece and um the lady was like oh I, I don't recommend that you submit it like that <laughs> and she was <laughs> giving me a bit of a wink wink you need oh. to get that framed because it wasn't a given that you'd be accepted into the um into the exhibition it you know you submitted your piece they judged it and then you found out a few days later but she was saying I think you should go and take it away and come back get it framed <laughs> I didn't know what, what where to frame it or anything eventually I managed to find a framer who rushed it through and yeah they framed it in a lovely white frame and I resubmitted it and they accepted it and it was um, displayed in the exhibition which was such an honour I can't believe that that happened but that gallery was actually a place that my gran used to go to um, and she used to go to the cafe and have a latte there that was something she really enjoyed doing and the way they did the exhibition was that they put the pieces all over the gallery and mine was actually displayed in the cafe which was would be where she would have sat and I just couldn't believe that that happened and I wish she could have seen it um and hopefully you know she she has she has seen that but um yeah it's just it was really special so that piece will always have a special place in my heart I think yeah absolutely oh wow what an experience that is that is mm -hmm. so cool uh because I haven't submitted anything either um uh just you know us introverts yes <laughs> you kind of need nudges <laughs> so it's good that yes, your family you, you nudged do. you to do yeah. that and it's beautiful I saw the pictures of it and those half inch hexagons are so tiny I mean, I know there's quarter inch ones, but I don't mm. even know how you stitch those, but I, <laughs> I'll work my way down to that. Um, but that, that is, it's such a, it's such a nice memory for you to have, um, you know, about your grandmother and, and to honor her, 
uh, like that and going into a place yeah. where she visited often. That is, mm. it's just like goosebumpy. <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> really very nice. Oh, um, thank you. Wait, so I did mention those really tiny pieces. So uh, let's say, you know, like how like there's the more sharp angle, like the diamonds. And then mm-hmm. you had a little, little, almost like a flag. <laughs> uh, yes you know, piece that goes over it. Um, Mm -hmm. So when you piece those together, what do you do with those little flaps? Do you fold them down uh, and stitch through it that way? There's a couple of options, really. There's a couple of things that you can do. It's good to, when you baste your shape, to make sure you do them all in the same direction so that they can sort of nest together Uh, and... um, slot one one behind the other really and the pieces fit together like that quite nicely but also sometimes on the really tiny ones I just use the glue to sort of bend it back on itself Uh, I might have shown that in some videos I think um maybe the video called tiny patchwork flowers because yes some uh-huh. of those brooches, one of them might have been that the pointy ends were on the outside uh-huh. and um, they weren't going to be joined onto anything else. So you can sort of bend it back on itself and glue it with the glue pen. And if you're careful, you can still retain your point, which is which is what you want. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, there's a couple of options. I'm, I am going to do some videos on diamonds soon, actually. Oh, good. And just show, showing some, um, that, that's in the... That's in the planning stage at the moment. Oh, good! Because you can get some, you can get some holes in the middle when you're joining them together, and that can be a bit of a, a tricky uh-huh. point. So, hopefully, yeah. I can help help people with that. Yes. So that should be coming oh. up in the next, I'll say, few months. <laughs> it's take me a long time, but it will happen. <laughs> Great! I'm looking forward to that. Good. Just one more thing before we um, conclude. Uh, her, your sewing machines. So you have a, I like, everybody loves when people shows their sewing machines because <laughs> if, and especially me, because I love sewing machines. So I'm always curious about how, you know, each one, each one works and mm. everything like that. And um, so you have a FAF computerized sewing mm-hmm. machine. And then more recently you got a Juki, uh, which is mm-hmm. a straight stitch, which I have a Juki as well. So I love that machine. And uh, mm-hmm. I think you, you were, you, you talked about, it. you had it on the, your uh, video and talk about it now. Cause mm-hmm. now you've had it for even a little bit longer. So how are you doing with uh, the Juki? Yeah, I really love it. Um, I w- when I decided to buy it, I-, I wanted a machine that was going to be really good for quilting because I am really interested in, um, machine quilting as well as hand quilting and like, like we said before it's nice to have the different types of sewing on the on the go and my other machine it just didn't quite get through the layers that well so that's why I bought the Juki because it is um, it's like a semi-industrial style um, machine and I have, haven't quilted a big quilt on it yet um, and it's got that extra throat space and it's got quite a high space so it will be really great for quilting but I haven't quilted a big quilt on it yet but I have done quite a quite a bit of piecing on it and it's really great the stitch quality is so good um it's yeah it's it's a brilliant machine I really do recommend it um really really happy with it I had any issues with it I love it so simple 
it just yes, me too. shows yes. and there's no messing about. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really great. No, I love it too. And, um, the, it's, it, you're like, it has the most reliable straight stitch. And, mm. um, the other thing too, that I like, and you mentioned like the height of it, but it's, it's mm. one of those, um, that has the, um, high shank feet and the machines that have that to me, I can see better, um, what I'm stowing than mm -hmm. the, the little clip on feet, because yes. then, then it's completely lower. And sometimes your view gets obstructed by the machine itself. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of inset, whereas the high shank has to be a little taller. <laughs> and, yeah. and I just have a lot more vision to, to what I'm sewing. So I love that machine for that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's that's so really easy point. to maintain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great machine. Yeah. I'm really glad I bought it. So. Oh, good, good. And um, <laughs> one of my favorite things is the, the pedal where you can just put your heel on it and it clips the thread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people don't really like that. Handy. Yeah. But it's, so I, I always have, yeah, I always have it because you can put something on it to stop that happening, but I don't do yeah. that. I, I find that really helpful. Oh, yeah. Good. It's great. Yay, hands free, yeah. isn't it? So. Is it? It is. Yeah. It's so fun. It's fun too, I think. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> well, all right. Well, before we go, why don't you talk about, because you have an online shop and you sell mm -hmm. patterns and now you sell supplies for English paper piecing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I started that it's a year ago now and um, I wanted to just create a small place where people could buy the things that I really love. Because leading up to that point, I was always being asked, where where do you get this? Where do you get that? And people wanting to try the things that I recommend and that I really love to use. So that's why that's where the, the shop came about, really. It was a place where everything that I sell, are there are only things that I use myself and absolutely love. And I wanted to create this little um I wanted it to feel like it was um, a, a vintage haberdashery type shop in my head. If it was a real um, physical shop, that's what it would look like, <laughs> you know, a haberdashery from the past. Um, so that, the, what I sell are the needles that I really like and the threads that I've talked about today and um, do sell some hexiform, but also some kits for my patterns. Um, which have been really, really popular and they do include Liberty Fabrics. Oh, and wow. um, yeah, so I have <laughs> lots of plans for more kits. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully I can produce some more um, before Christmas. And um, I have so many pattern ideas that I need to need to um, really sit down and get to work on because I am just literally full of ideas <laughs> I just wish there was more time I, honestly I'm constantly writing this idea down that idea down and it can be difficult to sort of um, I, I find the pattern writing process um, to be quite long because I really want to be thorough um, but at the moment I have a pattern for my hexagon shaped sewing case and also um, hexagon shaped storage basket um, which are items that I use in my sewing room all the time, find them really useful. And I have a lot of free patterns. Um, that's really important to me to share free projects um, when I can on YouTube and on my, on my website as well, um, because I really want everybody to pick up a needle and thread and get stitching. And I don't want, um, you know, 
there to be a barrier to that. So that's why it's really important to me to share free projects that anyone can just have a go at. So. Oh, yeah. that's really nice. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm sure everyone does appreciate that too. Um, especially when, um, if you're starting new, you don't know if you want to invest in everything. It's, it's very nice to mm. have like a free pattern just to start with. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I see that box behind you, the, hex, oh. the hexagon storage. Yeah. 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 So That's you have the, the size. You have the the English paper piece uh, flowers on each side, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. pretty. Yeah, so so that's one of your patterns, right? Yes, it, it, this pattern comes in two sizes. So there's the this um, this is a large size, and then there's a smaller one as well. Both really handy, um, and there's um, pockets on the inside. Do excuse what yeah. what is inside because it is. <laughs> I just use them. It's just to catch everything. Oh, yeah. But um, there's a little scissors pocket there mm -hmm. as well made from hexagon so i find I them really it. useful yeah, yeah. But, and i like to have pretty things like you know especially if it's for storage because every time you mm -hmm. look at it don't you smile and you're just like yes yeah it's so pretty i made that <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful everything you make is very beautiful oh thank and you i really so enjoy much. it i enjoy thank your you channel so and um, I'm so happy that you came on to the show. So thank you so much. Um, I could continue talking with you for a long, long time, but um, I will spare you that. <laughs> uh, no, me too. I really love talking to you, Stephanie. It's been really nice. Yes. Like, I feel like, you know, we're friends, old friends catching up, <laughs> talking all things. That's, that's, it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's kind of the the how I wanted my show to be is more casual and mm. just friends talking. It's lovely. So thank mm -hmm. you again and I will talk with you again pleasure. for sure. Oh lovely. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening everyone and that is a wrap on 2021 for the first half of season four of the Make and Decorate podcast. If you're a patron, there will be another conversation with Emma Jones that I have in, it will be in your December 2021 bonus episode. Happy holidays, everyone. And I wish you a very safe, healthy and happy holiday and times with your family and loved ones. I'll chat with you next year. Bye-bye. If you would like a bonus episode every month, become a patron and support the Make and Decorate podcast show at my Patreon page, Make and Decorate. For extended show notes with links and photos to what we've talked about, visit my podcast blog at makeanddecorate.com. And remember to take some time for yourself to be creative. Bye-bye.